Welcome to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin. I'm talking to my favorite basketball coach, Coach Lefty Drizell. Coach, um, thanks for agreeing to visit with us. Uh, with oh, it's your, my pleasure. With your, Always good to talk to you, D.G. Well, you're really good. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, and we've talked about this a little bit before, you haven't read my friend Art Chansky's book um, about the uh, sort of the desegregation of Chapel Hill and UNC Chapel Hill, and one of the major players in the book is Charlie Scott. And uh, I think Art does a good job of describing how if it weren't for you, as Charles says, um, he wouldn't have been because you he gives you credit for finding him and giving him the inspiration to play major college basketball. Is that? Uh, yeah, that's what he tells me. He said if it wasn't for me, nobody knew who he was. But they would have because he'd been a great player at Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, he's the one that kept me out of the Final Four two times. Well, everybody says Lefty shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he's never been in the Final Four. But there's a lot of guys that haven't been in the Final Four, and the rules were different back then. You had to win the tournament, yeah. and Charlie, and then you had to go on and we, you know, I think I'm sure North Carolina beat us twice in the, in the Final Eight, and Charlie was on both of those teams and made the winning basket on one of them. Do you remember the first time you heard about Charlie Scott or the first time you met him? Yeah, I do. I remember the first time was, uh, oh, my gosh, the coach at Lenore Ryan. What was his name? And I know it, and I can't think of it right now. Mm. Well, you know who I'm talking about? No, I was trying to remember. The coach at Lenore Ryan. If you said it, and if I thought hard enough, I could probably remember it. But he is the first one that he was. He just, he just resigned about two years ago. As the AD. Oh, Neil McGay. Neil. Was it Neil? Geach McGay. Yeah, it might have been Neil. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. But so he called me up and said, Lefty, there's this kid over here from at Laurenburg Institute. We just saw him play or something, and you need to get in touch with him. So I did. Well, now, Neil didn't and, go... Neil didn't go to Davidson. Uh, his, his family. John Lucas at Hillside High School, and I said, "Man, that guy can play." So, did you, when did you go first see him play? Pardon me. When did you tell us about the I time? I saw him play at Hillside High School against John Lucas's daddy's team. Uh huh. And uh, I mean, it was he was something else. In fact, it's the loudest crowd I've ever been in. In fact, Fisher would blow the whistle right. And the game would go on for a couple more baskets after blow the whistle. Said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." That was last basket didn't count. I blew the whistle back here on that walk. He's <laughs> the loudest crowd I've ever heard. Well, were there other... I remember seeing him play the first time. He must have got thirty-five, forty points. And was he the best player on the court? Oh my God! Anybody I'm else? Far. Did anybody else on either one of those teams uh, catch your attention? No, no, Charlie. He's the main, main reason I went anyway, and I loved him. I How did you follow player. up? How did you follow up? How, I mean, what would you do? Well, I forgot. I guess I called uh, McDuffie or somebody at Laurenburg and got in touch with him and started writing him letters and invited, invited him down for a visit. And, you know, he used to go to a lot of our games originally and go out and eat with the team, after, which was legal at the time. After the game, we ate steaks. Charlie ate a lot of steaks. <laughs> but, Coach, back t- one of the things that Art's book does is put the th- this recruitment of Charlie Scott, um, you know, in the context of the racial situation in the South and in the major predominantly or all-white uh, schools. How did you think that, that you 
where, where were you in terms of your feeling about uh, black players? You just coached black uh, white players. When I was there, uh, I mean, we, we never even thought about having a black player on the team. And, and, well, I, I never realized it was anything. When I was growing up in the South, in Norfolk, Virginia, I used to ride in the back of the streetcar with the black people. And I used to get up and give my seat to a black woman. Even when I was sitting up the front, because I thought it was ridiculous, and I never had any, you know, qualms about blacks or anything. And I knew Charlie was a good basketball player. Just you know, he had a like Mr. Lucas used to call black people people with good sunburns. <laughs> so he had a good sunburn. That's all I knew. I knew he could play. Yeah, but all that, but but there weren't any. Uh, there were no black players playing on the. College teams, and you know, in the deep south, they would even not let let the schools play against black players. And so, I mean, I know, but they were at Maryland. They were in the ACC, and and, you know, I just I knew. See, Charlie was about the well, no, Mike Malloy was about the third black student ever at at uh, Davidson. Right, Davidson was mostly. I signed Charlie first. Right. See, Charlie signed an early admission letter of intent to come to Davidson. So he really helped me get Mike Malloy. I, I probably wouldn't, I might not have gotten Mike without him. So he, they were all set the room together, and they were, you know, I guess they were communicating with each other. I'm not sure, but I know they knew each other, and they, they were going to room together. Well, Coach, here's what here's my question. How did it go from... Don't even think about having a black college player because we don't at Davidson and most of the other schools in the area we don't even have any students. So how did you? Yeah, start we thinking? had some black students. Yeah, but at I Davidson. mean, one you know, one a Congolese student, and you know, it was not. There were, we had just. Well, they, look, they, Davidson didn't care. I mean, I had a kid, an Indian kid, visit before that, maybe a year before or something. He was from. Pembroke, is that right? Yeah. Where the Indians yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. I had a player from down there visiting, and everybody said, "Hey, left you can't recruit him. He's black." I said, "He's an Indian man. I'm a recruiting him, but I didn't get him." <laughs> so, well, that's yeah, what I never heard anything from Davidson about not recruiting Charlie. In fact, they were happy that I got him. Well, there wasn't there wasn't any in the college community some of the old line conservative professors or some of the families in Davidson saying you know we we don't we're a white school uh, no if they did they never said it to me so you didn't even and go I don't, you didn't even dad, go who was president he never said it to me so you didn't even nobody ever said anything about me not recruiting charlie that's amazing isn't it i mean you know looking back at it because uh, again when Five years before that, it, it just didn't happen and wouldn't have happened. But uh, yeah, so well, you don't take, true. Coach, you don't take any credit? You don't take any credit for um, desegregating, helping to desegregate the college, the Davidson College? Well, I, yeah, I take credit, but they give it all to Dean. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, he stole Charlie from me. But yeah, I mean, I was the first one to sign African American players in the South because I signed him. I got his letter of intent right here at my house, but it what didn't mean anything that he couldn't change his mind. But he accepted an early admission letter of intent. And, and I used to, what I, we didn't have a letter of intent then, but I used to make them up. I used to make up a letter of intent, put a big uh, gold star on it and said, I accept the scholarship to the University of Maryland. It didn't mean anything, but I, I thought it might not make, let them change your mind. But, 
But Charlie was the first one in the South. And then, as I say, he helped me recruit Mike Malloy. And then when Mike Malloy, I mean, when Charlie changed his mind, I called Mike and told him, I said, Mike, I got bad news for you. Charlie's not coming. I hope he doesn't come. I'm going to kick his butt. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it didn't matter to Mike. Mike wanted to play against. Well, Coach, uh, Art Chansky in his new book on Game Changers, which is about the recruitment of Charlie Scott, primarily the Chapel Hill, I think puts, at least as I read it, puts you in a very favorable light in terms of your relationship with Charlie. But um, have you ever... I mean, were you just brokenhearted when he, when he, what did he do, call you up and tell you that he wasn't coming? And can, Yeah, well, he called my wife first. I was in uh, Texas, wherever, Jerry, Dallas or wherever he was from, and signing him. And my wife called me up and said, Charlie Scott just called in and said he was crying and said he wasn't coming to Davis and he was going to North Carolina. So, you know, so she called me and told me and then um, Charlie called me and, I said, look, Charlie, don't sign anything with North Carolina until I get back there. So I got a private plane, flew back to Laurenburg, but he, he was signing when I got there. Were you never, were you angry, sad? Because this really pulled the rug. No, I wasn't angry. No, I liked Charlie. I liked, you know, Charlie was, I'd gotten to know him like he was my son. So I wasn't angry at him. I just, I was angry at Dean for stealing him. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't really angry, you know, I just. I was disappointed, of course, and I kept, I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm not sure what he signed with North Carolina was binding, because I remember I kept calling him all summer, telling him, you know, you can change your mind, come on to Davis, you know, it's not too late. And, but he didn't come. Yep. Well, you probably don't remember, but you asked me to write a letter to him and tell him tell him what a great coach you were, and how, yeah, which, I did, so. I which I did, which I did faithfully because I. So evidently, what he signed with North Carolina. See, I back. I think back then, if you signed a letter, say with North Carolina, you couldn't go to another ACC school, but you could go to a Southern Conference school. I'm not sure that was the rule, but. I know I called him a couple of times, and, and and he was offered some kind of camp, the FCA camp with North Carolina players, and he, he, I couldn't get him to change his mind. If you join us late, I'm visiting with Coach Lefty Drizel. We're uh, having a conversation in light of Art Chansky's book called Game Changers, uh, uh, talking about the recruitment of Charlie Scott. Uh, Coach Drizel, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin. I'm visiting with uh, Coach Lefty Drizell. We were talking about Coach Drizell's recruitment of Charlie Scott to go to Davidson. And, Coach, uh, you, you told us it makes me cry. You know, I go back home to Davidson and folks uh, sometimes won't speak to me because they think now I'm part of the crowd that sold Charlie Scott from Davidson and you. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> no. Well, that's right. You all connected with North Carolina. <laughs> the, um, but, you know, Charlie, you know, even after he, he didn't, even after he went to North Carolina, if my memory serves me correct, he used to come in the summertime and work as a counselor in my camp. I'm pretty sure he did, because I know I remember seeing him play against Pete Maravich, because Pete was one of my counselors, too. And, and um, you know, Charlie is, and I've always been close. I mean, he calls me, and he called me when his son was playing at 
Ohio State because he wasn't getting to play enough. And he said, now that Dean had passed away, I was his coach. And so he, he calls me quite often. In fact, he called me not long ago and say talking about the book. He said, because uh, I had a guy write a book about me, that I told him not to do it. So he said, what can I do? I said, I don't know, sue him, I guess. <laughs> he said, uh, no, nah, I can't. He said, then he, the next time he called me back, he said, I got approval from the North Carolina press that they, they're going to write my book and I'm going to write it. And I said, well, go ahead. So that's what he said he's going to do. That's what he told me. Now, I don't know if he's going to do it or not. But Charlie calls me quite often, and, and we talk, and he's, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, Coach, one of the things that is an important part of the new book that we're talking about is while Charlie was successful on the basketball court, uh, because, I guess, of, you know, the, uh, the things racially had not changed as much as we would, as much as they have now, uh, he was not happy in his social life at uh, Carolina. He did most of his socializing over at North Carolina Central, and that. Well, he should have called me and transferred. Because <laughs> we got plenty of social life in Davidson. No, you know the <laughs> now the uh, thing in Davidson. Uh, is I it, guarantee you, he would have liked living in Davidson, like Mike Malloy did, and uh, you know he would have had Mike, and he would have had all the social life he wanted because he'd have been a hero, and we'd have been national champions. Well, what did you do, like Malloy? Malloy was special because he was gregarious and happy and didn't seem to have a mean bone in his body. But to uh, bring black kids into an all-white community and into a conservative community, what th- there had to be things that you learned that could help them get along, even at Davidson or at Chapel Hill. What were well, Davidson wasn't but nine hundred students going there when I was there, right? So everybody was happy. It didn't matter. In fact, I don't know if you remember this, but players on the team, most of the players on the team, well, not all of them, but most of them were in the Sigma Chi's. So they talked Mike and Heat, and Mike used to hang out at the Sigma Chi house with, with the players. So they said, we want you to join the Sigma Chi. And he said, fine, I'll do that, you know. And uh, so they put his name up there, and the, the National Sigma Chi fraternity said no he can't get in because he's an african-american so the kids in the in the sigma chi at davidson said okay we're getting out of the national we're going independent so they went independent so he could get in the sigma chi and they still are i guess i don't know but at, at that time i know they, they just dropped out and said well the crap with you we're going for we want Mike in, the, in our fraternity, and he's going to be in here. If you don't like it, just kick us out, which they did. But they stayed Sigma Chi. That's, yeah, that's an amazing story. What, uh, Coach, you, you – uh, well, let, let me put words in your mouth and then you correct me, but one of the reasons it said that you left Davidson was that you thought that the ability to recruit talented African-American players might be – uh, better done at Maryland in a metropolitan area than in the rural area of Davidson, North Carolina. Did How, how did you come to think, I've got to get, if I'm going to have great teams, I've got to have black players? No, I had some black players other than Mike Malloy. I know one of them, his name was Calvin, Calvin, uh, I forget. I had in Stone, he, he, he ran his own TV show, a radio show up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but these weren't... I had a couple other black players, but... That wasn't the main reason I left. I left because Kehoe, see, Maryland had the largest field house in America when I went to Cole Field House. It was the biggest field house in America. 
at Davidson, I had the smallest one, about 2,000. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, and I had to drive 20 miles to and 20 miles back from when we played in the Charlotte Coliseum at, David, at Maryland. I just went to the same gym I practiced every time. Plus, that wasn't the main thing. The main thing was that Coach Kehoe, Jim Kehoe, was a great salesman. And so he got me over. I mean, he got me at a weak time, right? We had just lost to North Carolina on Charlie Scott's last shot. And he had been trying to talk to me before that. I said, Coach Kehoe, I'm not going to talk to you about any job. I got a chance to win the national championship, so just leave me alone. So the season's over, and I'll talk to you. So when the game was over, he came down and said, come over to my house. i got to talk to you about the job. I want you to come to Maryland. And see, Fred Hessel's dad played basketball at Maryland. So I, you know, he had talked about Maryland before, he said. In fact, I went to a game over there to see Will, his Fred's younger brother, play. And, he, and we were sitting in cold field. I said, but it's empty. He said, Lefty, you could fill this place up. And I said, yeah, but I ain't coming here. I'm, I'm in a great place at Davidson. So after the game, Coach Keogh came up to me and said, Lefty, you got to come over my house. i got to talk. I said, Coach, I just got knocked out of the Final Four. And I got, you know, I don't want to talk about coming to Maryland right after the game. You know, call me next week when I get back home and I'll talk to you. No, no, you got to come tonight. You and Joyce have got to come over my house. So we went over there, which I probably <laughs> shouldn't have done if I didn't want to come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I went over there and he started talking about, you know, the advantages of Maryland and being up in the nation's capital instead of a little town in Davidson and playing in the Charlotte Coliseum as opposed to playing in uh, Coldfield House, which had just had the national championship game there either the year before or maybe that year, I forgot. But they had just had two to the national championship game in Coldfield House. And then, see, Vince Lombardi had just been named coach of the Redskins and Ted Williams was coach of the, of the uh, senators. Uh, yeah, what do you call senators? Senators, yeah. So he said, "Look, you're gonna be one of the biggest names in the country. We're gonna have Vince Lombardi in the fall, Ted Williams in the summer, and you're gonna be in the winter." And he said, "That's who. That's who your friends are gonna be. They're gonna be associated." For, for some reason, I guess that caught me. I don't know. Well, of course it would. Coach, yeah, I, I'm not going to give you an answer tonight. I can't do it. I just well, got coach. What about money? Game. Was it was 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 he forthcoming with money? Well, money wasn't. I, I, I never cared. I wasn't making any money anyway. Well, I know you weren't making any money, but you you think uh, coming to a ACC no, school? He never mentioned. Money. He never mentioned money. And no. coach, I mean, I what I'm thinking is he probably offered you thirty thousand or something like that. And, and <laughs> you're wrong. I got a clipping. What does it I say? Fourteen thousand. I was making twelve at Davidson. You're kidding me. And so I went uh, there for fourteen thousand. Money don't make you any difference. Well, no, no. But how does it make you feel now when you read about these guys making three and four million dollars a year? That's all right. I, look, I got enough money. If I live to be a hundred years old, I'm not going to want any money. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. So money is never. In fact, I don't even know how much I have. When I got married to Joyce, I said, Joyce, and see, my first job, I made 3200 His first coaching job. I was making, when I first got out of Duke, I made, I went to work for the Ford Motor Company because I had worked there in the summer times when I was going to Duke. And I made $6,000 my first year. Then I had the job as a JV coach at 
Granby High School where I'd gone to school for thirty two hundred, and I took it. And <laughs> so, well, how much were you making? You're making this was after I was making six thousand at the Ford place. What did you okay. make your first year at Davidson? You remember I, at Davidson? Oh yeah, I know. I took a cut. So when I was in high school, if I'd have gone, and I had a great. You know, we won 57 straight games. I would never lost. So I would have made $6,200 if I went back to Newport News High School. I came to Davidson for six. So I took a cut and play to go from high school to Davidson. It sounds like I, I, all I got was like a $2,000 job at, you know, going to uh, Maryland. $2,000 raise. From Davidson well, to Maryland. Well, I guess that was pretty significant. But I'm, my daddy did you dirty like he did me. He got me. I don't know whether you remember, but he got after I graduated. They needed somebody to come and work in the dean of students' office for just uh, <laughs> a little bit. And he said, I, and I got, I was interested in doing that. And he said, how much am I going to make? And he said, we're going to pay you two hundred dollars a month. And I said, yeah, I said, Daddy, two hundred dollars a month. He was smart. He was a good business. <laughs> he man. said, he said, DG, you we you can live out in that little. Uh, apartment by the garage at, at the president's house you want and, and we'll feed you and you you know we shouldn't even be paying you that much <laughs> i know in fact see i when i first came to davidson i had one assistant coach joe hunt that was it when i came in I said you got one assistant coach and he's also assistant baseball coach so in the spring in the summer he's gonna be with baseball so i didn't even have an, an assistant but part-time and then when when Terry Holland graduated, I talked to Dr. Martin. We were doing pretty good. And I said, can I hire Terry Holland? I said, he just graduated, and he's going to go to uh, CPA uh, school in North Carolina next year. I just want to hire him for one year, you know, and it, it'll help him in his business with being a CPA because he'll get to meet a lot of people. And, and so he said, uh, well, let me see. We'll pay him. You'd have to ask Terry. In fact, I got a letter with his race, he was going to get about 2000 a year or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't much. But it was only supposed to be for a year because then he, he'd already been accepted at North Carolina, you know, in the business college to be a CPA. That's what he wanted to be. But oh. then after a year, I talked to him in the state, and I don't know, he probably gave him 3000 <laughs> I don't remember what he paid him, but it wasn't much because I wasn't making but but twelve. That's amazing. If you join us late, I'm visiting with um, Coach Lefty Drizel. We've been talking about the um, recruitment of Charlie Scott, and then we got off on things that are real important to Coach Drizel and me, and that's things at Davidson. Or we're going to take a break and come back, and we're going to talk some more about ACC basketball and what happened after Coach Drizel left Davidson. Welcome back to Who's Talking. Uh, this is D.G. Martin. I'm visiting with uh, Coach Lefty Drizell, and uh, we're, we've been talking about all kinds of things, but we started out talking about the recruitment of Charlie Scott. And, Coach, um, you got to know Charlie Scott as and uh, the Carolina team because of that recruitment battle, but when you got to Maryland, you got to know uh, the University of North Carolina and the other ACC teams in a different light. You knew about the ACC because you had played at, at Duke, and you were a very loyal Duke fan, I guess, until you got to Maryland and had to compete against them. What was, yeah. what was, what was the what? I'm still a Duke fan, though. You know, I'm in the Duke Hall of Fame. A lot of people don't know that, but I am. So when Duke plays uh, Carolina, you you pull for Duke. Well, yeah, I do. I guess. I mean, I don't. I don't stand up and cheer and yell and stuff. I just 
you know, sort of pull for him. Yeah, because I, 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 I like Roy, too, and I, I'm real close to Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, he's, in fact, I just wrote him in. I'll tell you one thing about Mike Krzyzewski that Carolina people don't know, probably. Maybe they do. But when he got ill and had to have his surgery on his back, I just wrote him a little note and said, DG, I'll be praying. I mean, not DG, uh, Mike, I'll be praying for you, and I hope I know Mickey will take good care of you, and this and that. And, you know, he didn't have to write me back. He wrote me back a really nice letter. Every time I've ever written him, he writes me right back. And a lot of coaches don't do that, you know. Well, I but Mike Krzyzewski is great. I've written him a lot of little, it's just a little note, you know, congratulations on winning the Olympics or something or whatever, or the national championship. He didn't have. He doesn't have to write me back because I know he gets a lot of letters, but he does every time. Never missed. That's great. You would. So, in terms of the different places where you have coached or played, uh, Duke has, like like me at Davidson, uh, your your base loyalties go back. Right. I mean, I, you know, I try to go down there. I didn't go down there last year, but I. I try to go to one game a year. Last year's the first year I missed. And if, as a matter of fact, when I was down there last year, I was eating. David Robinson was in there eating breakfast on the, not in the same place. I, I mean, the same place, but I could. I was talking to him a little bit, and my phone rang, and it was Charlie Scott. And I said, Charlie, what's up? He said, Coach, I got some bad news for you. What's that? He said, Coach Smith just died, mm. and and he had just passed away. I was one of the first ones to know, I guess, because Charlie told me, called me and told me. And I would, if, if it, I wasn't feeling that good. I, I, I thought about just staying in there and going to his funeral, but I, I had to get back home because of something. And, and I just couldn't make it back for the funeral because I knew it was be too many people there. In fact, I, I miss Moses Malone's funeral, too. And I, Moses died right here, about two miles from me. And, but I just couldn't get down in Houston, Texas for his funeral because I just, I'm too old. I can't get around. I walk on a crutch. Well, Coach, a lot I miss of... Dean's funeral, and I really wanted to be there. In fact, his secretary, I can't, you know, what is her name? Huh? She's right. a real nice lady. Dean's secretary, um, Anyway, she had me a motel room and everything down there, but I just I could I couldn't do it. Well, I'm sorry. I know that would have been a lot to you because uh, you've told me um, what a lot of people don't know, and I'd love for you to talk about it. Is that while y'all were on court rivals, uh, particularly after uh, you both had, you you'd retired, um, that y'all got to be warm friends? Yeah, we did. I mean, I mean, you know, I never went out with him or anything, but I just used to, especially after he got sick, I used to call him about once every week or so and just see how he was doing and talk to his secretary. And then she started saying, Coach, you're wasting your time. You can't, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't know who he's talking to. And I said, well, let me talk to him anyway. And I would just say, how you doing, Dean, and stuff. But, you know, one time he was getting ready to go to the beach. And I said, well, what beach you going to? And he said, I don't know. It's a highway or something. And I well, said, what are you doing? I'm working on your four corners. He said, four what? He didn't know what, what I was talking about. Yeah. That's when I Well, there was this like sad decline. And, of course, I was in great sympathy because, you know, you, you we, we had to watch as my father uh, had the uh, early dementia, yep. and it was uh, That's right. people who were 
the most talented, warm, uh, like, and Coach Smith had a fantastic memory of people. And I know. Well, what about... Uh, wh- In fact, he and I are exact same age, you know. I mean, he died when he was, what, whatever, whatever his age was, I forget I was exact same age. Well, so, you know. Tell me, uh, going back and remembering the games uh, that you, where you coached at Maryland and in the ACC, what was the greatest disappointment that you had as a coach? Oh, I don't know. Every time you lose, it's bad. But you know, we we lost a lot of close games to North Carolina, and, and we beat them in some close games. In fact, we beat the worst defeat they ever had in Carmichael. And then we beat them the worst defeat they ever had in ACC tournament. And we beat them the first defeat in the Smith Center. So we had some great wins that but we had some tough losses too. I remember one game, like, the score was either tied or we were one behind or something. And it was like two seconds left, and we had the ball out of bounds right in front of our bench. And we had been working on this out-of-bounds play, and Chuck Chuck had been running it. This is your son, Chuck. Team. My son, Chuck, yeah. So I said, Chuck, get in the game. And you come off his double pick. The, the play, he would come off of a double pick and, and – be wide open for a layup, or if he, if not, we set a down pick for Adrian Branch, and Adrian popped out and shot a jumper right top of the key. Well, we ran the play. It was two seconds left or three seconds left, and Chuck was wide open. I mean, he was wide open because Michael Jordan was guarding Adrian, and he jumped out because I, I think they probably knew the play or something, but he, he followed or he he knew Adrian was going to get the shot. So Adrian pops at the top of the key, and, more, and Jordan runs at him trying to intercept the pass. But he, the guy, Jeff Atkins, threw the ball to Chuck. And Chuck was wide open. I mean, he was wide open. And that daggone Jordan turned around and came back and blocked his shot. Uh. And, I mean, most guys would have just stopped, you know. <laughs> But, you know, so we lost some tough games. That one game, John Lucas going in for the winning, winning layup and Phil Ford tripped him. They should have exp- expelled him like he did the uh, Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think Phil Ford has the same um, <laughs> no, uh, aggressive just, spirit. <laughs> no, but he did trip him. He did trip him. All right, Mark. And, and the guy that was an official was from Maryland. And, and when he got back home, he, he, he quit officiating. Because his people in Maryland got on him so bad. <laughs> well, did, well, did that, was, were you in that group that was giving him a hard time? No, I, no, I didn't give him a hard time. I never worried about officials. I never see. I was just opposite. Now wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, so, you never. I. What is the story you told me about the chair in the Greensboro Coliseum? Oh, it's a bad call. Yeah, it's a bad call. <laughs> and what happened? <laughs> well, I mean, you... I just, it was a bad call. I just stood up. I got a bad habit of stomping my foot, so I just stomped the chair and it broke. What happened to that chair? Tell the story thing. about what happened to the chair. I oh, the thing what happened to the chair was, see, I told him, I said, move a chair down there and let Chuck sit in it. My son, he was just a little dude. So when, when I got back home, I think that was in the ACC tournament. Uh, is the manager manager name. of the Greensboro Coliseum? Or yeah, the, what was his name? I can't remember, but but anyway, anyway he's, I should know his name. So, so he wrote me a note. Said, Lefty, you can't come in here in the Greensboro Coliseum and be in destroying chairs. It's state property. You owe fifty two dollars. <laughs> and so uh, I said, Well, you know, I just wrote him a check, fifty two dollars to the Greensboro Coliseum. And I thought that was the end of it. Well, he takes it, takes a chair and puts it out on bid. 
So um, the guy that ran the, where we stayed when we played down at a uh, Holiday and no something the Crabtree Holiday and Crabtree I think that was it or anyway he was a good friend of mine he bought it he paid five hundred dollars <laughs> for it right so he told me he said Lefty I bought that chair from the Coliseum I gave him I gave him five hundred dollars for it and uh, oh shoot he was a great friend of mine we stayed there all the time anyway so. So I write to I write the guy back at the Coliseum. I said, I, my friend over here at the Holiday or the Ramada Inn Crabtree, I think Ramada Inn Crabtree, bought the thing for five hundred dollars. Please, you owe me uh, four hundred and thirty-two dollars. You know, I, you can keep my fifty-two. <laughs> and, uh, but he wrote back and said, no, state property cannot be sold. For any individual, something. So <laughs> he made he, he charged me fifty two, and then he made five hundred. Oh, that's a great story. <laughs> he sold it. I'm visiting with uh, Coach Lefty Drizel. Uh, we're we're supposed to be talking about serious topics, but he's got such good stories I can't resist. Uh, here and I'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Talking. I'm visiting with Coach Drizell, and when we uh, took a break, we were talking about started talking about officiating. And you said you, I, I was pressing you because you said you just didn't worry about it, didn't know their names and all that. And I, I'm about to believe you, but uh, no, you said, I did. I mean, I, I mean, I do some of them, you know, Hanzo and Ern Jack and uh, some of them, but I never knew many people's officials' names, and I never kept a record of what my record was, what my one loss record was. But Dean was smart; he knew every official's record against him he just said hey look i just lost two games when you officiated now uh, you know uh, why am i losing so many games that you officiate i never did that i never knew but dean was smarter than the rest of us but he knew every official's record and name and everything i never i never even looked up their names because i i didn't want to be upset when i had him in the next game but dean used that to his advantage well, do you think it really made a difference that 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 you can uh, that you, you can quantify the activities of an official? And oh my gosh, yeah, they, that's one thing I hate about games, uh, watching games now. Those officials are over there talking to the coaches. See, one year in the ACC or a couple of years, if I if I talk to an official, that official had to go down. Tell Dean what I was saying. Hey, Dean, Lefty just said uh, Cupcheck's staying in the lane too long. Now they have a running conversation with the officials during the game. I, I would like for them to, to tape or, tell, or, you know, record what those coaches are telling the officials. That would be something very interesting that Vitale ought to do. Because <laughs> what are they talking about? You know, watch him the next. You watch this. Uh, Virginia plays. Uh, no, North Carolina plays uh, uh, Virginia Tech tonight. Now you watch how many many times that Buzz Williams and Roy Williams talk to the officials. Well, what are they saying? Uh, I don't know, but you know, I would be interested to know, right? Right. We'll we'll this 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 uh, program will be broadcast after that game's over, so we can all. Uh, remember, yeah. Well, this just, time. 
when you watch in the game, you see how many times that Roy talks to the official and Buzz Williams talks to the official. But what are they saying? You know, they're saying something. Hey, look, so-and-so's pushing in there. He's putting his hands on me. He's fouling me. He's doing this. And that was a terrible call. That last call you missed on a block charge. I would just like to know, as a spectator, what they're saying. They have no business to me. If I was running the officials, the officials would be on the other side of the court doing timeouts. See, I think the officials like to get on TV, for one thing. So they like to run over there and talk to the coach. You think rather <laughs> than the just... The other thing that I, that I despise is, and you watch tonight how many times, and Roy Williams is not that bad about it, but he does go out on the court a little bit, and, and Buzz too. Some of the officials, I ain't going to name them, I mean coaches, they're out on the court. Half, I've seen coaches, I saw a coach the other day running out to the free throw line to call a timeout. Well, that's illegal. The coach... And, and part of it I blame on the schools because the benches are too close to the court. The benches should be back two or three feet. But because most coaches, now you watch games, I watch them, that's all I do. The coaches are on the court half the time. And, and, and the first half when the team's playing defense, a lot of the coaches are in a defensive stance, sliding up and down, yelling and hollering. To me, that's a distraction. In fact, I've Hello, Coach. Hey, and I told one of my players, look, if so-and-so gets on the court, run over him. <laughs> he have in uh, fact, I saw officials the other day go behind Coach, he we're having so far out on the court. We're out of time. That, we're out of time, to me, Coach. I don't like that. But, I got to call timeout. I'd hate to do it because the game's just getting great. I enjoyed, right, well, enjoyed ahead, my visit <laughs> Enjoyed my visit with Coach Lefty Drizel. Uh, enjoyed having you listening to us and uh, – Come back soon. I'll be I'll be back here uh, before you know it. Thank you.